What's up, everybody? This is Alex Kelly with Furloughed Film Talks here with another fun episode with my brother, Ryan. Hola. We are here today. We've got a lot. Uh, we are going to have some more Dead Center Film Festival coverage today, and we're going to have it these next couple of days as it continues to roll on. Uh, we checked out, we literally just watched Los Otros, a short film. Uh, from Monica Pendergrass and Eric Baldetti. We're going to do our review of that here in a moment. Uh, but we're actually going to have them on the episode on Wednesday. So Monica and Eric will talk with us about Los Otros. Super excited about that. We are going to then do a dumpster fire review of Artemis Fowl. A very conflicted dumpster fire review. Yeah, very long dumpster fire review. Yeah, we really get into it. And yeah so sad but then we talk about king of staten island one of the funniest uh judd apatow movies around today one of the uh, most heartfelt for sure yes and loved the cameo with keith robinson check that episode out from last week but uh first let's talk a little bit about los otros but now it is time to talk about a, a short film that premiered at the Dead Center Film Festival. Uh, it is directed by Monica Pendergrass and Eric Baldetti, who we will actually have on the show on Wednesday. It is their short film Los Otros, which what does that mean, Ryan, in Spanish? It means the others. Yes. <clears throat> and this follows three different um, undocumented uh, immigrants who were in the United States who got deported back to Mexico. Um, they are Freddie, Aaron, and Esmeralda. So it kind of goes shows their story, or you know, they talk to them about what happened to them when they were you know brought back to Mexico and kind of what they've been doing and you know everything like that. So mm -hmm. very heavy, extremely heavy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So this is gonna be like kind of difficult to talk about this is very political and this is very it's very emotional because it's but we're i also about don't think we can't not be honest you know like no i think it's a good yeah. conversation for us to have right so um i'll start off with just by saying i really really like this mm -hmm. and i actually i think i said about two and a half three minutes into the movie i said this is bullshit so far because where I thought... Oh, okay, wait, wait, wait. So when you said that, I thought you were like, I don't like this at all. Or like, I, that's I, exactly what I meant, yeah. But you didn't like what had happened to them. You didn't... You liked the overall short film. No, no, no. I actually didn't like the direction the short film was going in, right? Okay. Because I fully expected what the short film to be was a dramatic telling of why they were deported from the U.S. and the devastating effect that had on their own lives and their family's lives. Right. Mm -hmm. And about two and a half minutes into this movie, uh, or the short film, they were explaining that they were very briefly touching on the reason why they were deported. Yeah. Without at all giving specifics and uh, without at all going into it. And I thought, what was going to happen was they were going to very briefly touch on why they were deported and then go heavy into a kind of anti-closed border argument for the rest of the movie. And I thought that would have been a really, really weak argument to have without yeah. having an extremely solid foundation of why these people were deported, maybe not 
justifiably or not in the correct legal manner or what have you. Just even the right moral manner. Not even that. Like yeah. they needed they needed to show that like not only is the US immigration system broken, but it's also like even the laws they have in place aren't working and people are being deported and separated from their families for no justifiable reason. Yeah. Um you need to have a solid fucking story to have a solid argument. And I wanted this conversation to have a solid argument for having extremely uh, highly reformed immigration law, because Mm -hmm. that is what we need, right? Like it, the last like three minutes, this movie is a very dramatic, like it's actually a uplifting message that these people have found their way in their new reality i would interject two founded there's one who has not found. that's true that's fair that's so fair. two of the three but two of the three let me get to, i was yeah, trying I just to make a really important point that like um you know the, the the last three minutes was very i felt it was pretty uplifting and um shit uh, my point is it, it's very uplifting and seeing these people in Mexico that I don't think we can really quantify the number of people that have unfairly been affected in Mexico by um, just a completely broken immigration system I mean it's it's literally countless and I, f- I really feel strongly that it needs reform and especially for like Mexicans, like I think it shouldn't be a question. Like it should be basically an open border, right? Yes. Uh, their people were in where we now reside centuries before people of our heritage of mm-hmm. of our heritage. the The idea that we have this militarized border that is completely closed off and if you get caught crossing you're separated from your kids and put in a jail cell if you're the getting, fact it, that one like, of those dudes spent a year in a federal prison yeah is fucking insane i mean i wish they had gone into more detail about what exactly had happened in his case they don't at all explain but why think, he was arrested why he spent a yeah. year in jail and why he was ultimately deported and this is the guy who's in the military yes which and that's where go ahead you're Wrap up your, your, your thoughts, but yeah. Sure. I, I mean, that, you, I don't want to cut you off. That's pretty much it. Like I, this is, this was really emotional for me because like it, I mean, we live in Texas. We know a lot of people. Like I have really, really close friends who like for our Pokemon world championship, like one of my, one of my closest friends wouldn't have been able to go to London because he doesn't have a passport and if he had gone back to his country of origin to get the proper documentation to tr- to travel with a passport to London he he probably wouldn't be able to get back into the US so this guy has struggled all year for a qualification to this major major world championship and he can't even go because of how fucked up our immigration system is so like we all of us in in where we live, no people who are like really affected by this, and it needs it needs to be fixed. I, I when you say it doesn't, it it needed a strong foundation to kind of be built off of. I think they did a really good job at the end pointing out things that most people didn't know about 
some of the immigration problems. Like the two, the two, the biggest ones that they point out are something that I would, I would have thought maybe a little bit about like veterans, but I would ne- not even really, honestly, I didn't know that you could serve even if you were an undocumented immigrant and that they were falsely giving people this, you know, promise that they would get granted us citizenship if they served in the military. That's bullshit, but they were just fucking lying to these people and saying, Hey, if you serve in the military, we'll give you citizenship when they knew damn well, that wasn't true. That's so the fact that they just did, like, I can't, I, t- I took a screenshot of the last like title card because it had stats in it that I like it just blew me the fuck away. And that's 3000 3000 to date veterans have been deported. And and me saying 3000 to date that's not to say that's a low number. One is too many. That's the fact that it's th- crazy. the fact that it's 3000 fucking people who have served our country were deported because we wouldn't get their non-citizen US. That's fucking insane. Would you realize what our military is doing if this is like if if it is true that they are falsely promising citizenship for serving our military oh, and there's 24,000 non-citizens on active duty yeah, yeah there's a ton dude. that's insane we have a ton of non-citizens the, every single every uh, the 27,000 right there should be granted fucking american citizenship yes on the spot but, but what i was saying you realize that there's recruiters out there that are sending men and women to their deaths in war and on false pretenses giving them citizenship you know what would be insanely interesting and this is going to be something i want to ask them monica and eric on you know when we have the interview that's going to air wednesday but how many non-citizens have died for this country i don't know that number i bet would piss us off it's if they even keep it i bet that's one of those numbers that they just conveniently don't fucking keep they probably don't i mean they they do internally but they would never release it and i mean it's probably in the hundreds that's still in our current that's still a couple hundred people who current current wars plural there's probably been hundreds in the past 20 years yeah it's fucking terrible but and and then the other one was so the the one guy who I said his name was Freddie. I don't think he had a very happy ending in any of this. He didn't. He, I mean, and, so, and this is the other thing that they pointed out was, if you are deported, you can't get a visa to go back for somewhere between like three and twenty years. Five, five, five and, and 20. twenty years. Yeah. So for five, if you have kids in the United States of America, like you can't go back and see them for. At least five years. Now, this is where I. This is one of my major gripes in the movie. And to be clear, I said that what I said, the direction I thought this movie was going, ultimately did not occur. And the direction they took it in, in really focusing on the person and like the future of that person in relation to our immigration system, instead of a pure critique of the immigration system, that was very positive. Now, but with Freddy, my my main gripe with this movie is I don't – I mean, I get why you choose that character over the emotional connection the viewer has by him having two children and an ex-wife that pr- clearly was a divorce due to this immigration yeah, to him, problem. Um, but I, let me ask you this. As a parent who is deported and has kids in another country – and that country tells you that you have to wait five to twenty years to even apply to go see your children again. Would you think twice 
before you cross that border illegally to go see your kids. Wait, wait, wait. They've already told me it's going to be at least five years before I get to see my kids. Yeah. And if, before you can reapply to see your kids again. You've already been deported. You've already, I, been, you've, already, you've already been through the legal system, so they know you. They classify you as a criminal. Now you have to reapply through the immigration system in five to twenty years, depending on when they want to take your application. And I bet the United States government wouldn't let those people come to America to see them. No, I mean they're not. So there's no, no connect. There's nothing you can do other than bring the children than, to Mexico illegally. No, no, I mean, th- so the children could probably go back to Mexico. Their mother definitely could not go, though. Yeah. Right? Um, well, we don't really know too much information about her. But, I mean, just we'll assume that she is yeah, undocumented yeah, as yeah. well, and she would definitely I, cannot go back. Would I jump the border to go see him? To, or, no, just to go back permanently. Because <sighs> you, know, you know if you get in, it's highly unlikely you but get deported you can't, in. You can't work. You can't do anything. Like you, you you're completely undocumented, right? Yeah. But so at like, least you're with your children. I would jump. I'll, t- I'll tell. I'll tell you my answer. I would do it in a fucking heartbeat. You wouldn't even have to like tell me twice, and I'd be across that border. I'd be so worried that like they would be looking for me again, or like there would be something that would you know. The United States government would like figure some shit out. I don't know. I'm like that would just be in the back of my head. Yeah, but would I jump the border and try to just see my fucking kids? Hell yeah. Would I be scared shitless? Hell yeah. But like, I would. I, wanna, be, I would. I, I would go see my like 100 percent analog. No one fucking. I would be not even. I wouldn't even exist. Like this just gets back. There's there's millions of people that are doing this today. Yeah, like, like you know. It's insane, though, like, when they were talking about, like, Mexico and, and women's rights and, like, one of them got harassed on a bus and, like, women were ending up dead every day. Like, it's – that just sounds insane. Like, that sounds insane, too. It's crazy. But, but like, anyways, like, to finish my point, like, with just kind of my problem with that is, like, it in my eyes, it makes him almost seem kind of like a weaker parent that um, – and I, I know I just I know this is like probably highly critical, but it's it just seems like this is a person who's been told he is an autistic son back in America, and that's hard enough. There's basically no chance he'll ever be able to cross the border legally again. Uh, you know I it takes and he's and he's done it before. He's crossed the border legally before. Like, I would do that in a heartbeat. I think it's a little, it's a weak, I feel like it's a small weak point in the story. Um, that he hasn't crossed and gone back? Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't even think that was, like, an option in his head. I don't think for any, I, and here's why. It's easy for you to sit here and say, like. 100%. But no, 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 but here's, it's easy for you to sit here and say that and not have been in jail for however long he was in jail for. It sounded like it was, like, over a year. Like it was Not a Freddy. Freddy was in jail for a little while. He was in a cell. He talked about he was in a cell. Okay. So going through that experience and then being like, "Oh, I'd go back in a heartbeat." It's like, would you go back when you'd be risking even more? You know, of that treatment that he probably had by ICE and putting himself in danger of getting shot by some yeah, cop. Yeah. Then, like, then, then you're saying, but then as a parent, you're making the judgment call that you're suffering. And wouldn't you put your kids worth, in danger at that point? 
Like, what happens if your kids you're with your kids and all of a sudden ICE or fucking the cops spot you, and you are you get fucking arrested? Like, you know the cops here are insane. Like, yeah, there's there's a couple different things that you have to go through your head before you're like, yeah, I'd cross the border. I mean, I guess it would be a fear. It'd be highly yeah. unlikely that like, you know, there'd be separation of the children. I don't know, man. I mean, that's. I mean, they're only expanding ICE, so it's like those thing, those like operations are going to become larger and larger. And at some point, yeah, he probably had this fear in his head where he's like, "I don't want to." He definitely it. should. I mean, yeah, yeah like, it should be a very healthy fear. Fear. And so, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like, are my kids better off without me for right now, or like, can or I should do things the right way and wait for my visa set the yeah. right example for my kids like that's that He's, he is doing the moral thing i'll I, I mean but that doesn't even get back to the problem like that like focusing on him doesn't talk about the real problem in that story the real problem is we keep these fucking parents from their kids for five to 20 years because we won't yeah. grant them a visa because they're here trying to have a life and that's why like, i would really like to have heard more about his like the specifics and details of his case which yeah that's that, just something you can't really do in a short film like that's something you have to flesh out in a whole documentary. i know but like, it's like you know it's tough in a short film because his story literally had no details right i mean yeah they kept it pretty vague with him like ex- uh, like th- across the board other than the whole disney world story the only thing we know is he was there up until he was like he was he was he was he was 17 when he came to america and then i guess he got deported at 31 so he's like 31 32 okay so yeah i mean the only the only detail you know is that he has kids he was in america illegally undocumented they and went to disney world and his son has autism like and then he got it. deported for god knows what reason yeah they just found him yeah, I think he, he was literally a student. and They found him. Like, that's insane. That's fucking insane. Yeah. So, but I mean, like, that just gets back to like that needs to be fucking changed. The fact that we don't let our veterans become citizens if they're undocumented mm-hmm. is insane and needs to change. And they said it like, there's no real path for these people to become citizens or like here in America. So it's like. That needs to be changed. Right. We need to fucking look at our system across the board and just say, like, this isn't fucking working. And every time you guys say, like, oh, shit, the you know immigration system is broken. It's like, yeah, it's because you're defunding it. And you're taking money away so that you know it's a problem so you guys can bitch about it and then just do extreme measures across the board. That's what happens, man. Like they, I don't take, know if I agree with that. They take like, money from the border security and like all the the different you know immigration offices, and they don't let them have the shit that they need. And so the lines get backed up. There's not enough people to fucking process all this shit, and so it all it all gets backed up. And there's no clear path for these people. That's what happens. Then you have people like that we know that have to get you know they were gonna get married anyways, but then they have to get married. Like mm-hmm. that shit's insane. Yeah, yeah I mean. I don't know specifics about like how the border crossings work at the moment, but you know, what I do know is that the legal, the legislation that's on the books right now just doesn't work. 
No. It, it doesn't And match, it hasn't worked for years. It doesn't match the reality. It, it didn't match the reality in the 1950s. It doesn't match the reality 70 years later. No. Um, but the, the reason I like this movie so much is that it gets those points across in, I think, the most connected way possible like they just drop you into mexico mm-hmm. to show you the true lives of people who have been i mean for lack of a better term a victim of our broken immigration policy they've been ripped apart by our immigration system yeah and then and for the people who and, want to say like oh it's their fucking fault for like crossing the borders like no motherfucker like these people it is in it's chaos in mexico and they wanted what your ancestors wanted, which was a better way forward in this land. Yeah. I mean, and if so you want to be came... really Old Testament about it, yeah, it's, it is directly their fault. But, like, if you want to be actually have some humanity about it, you yes. can say that the system is broken and these people, you know, they're the literal, like, rat trapped under a fucking tin can with a fire on one side. And, you know, they're going to burr from wherever the fuck they can. And it just so happens that one of the best places in the goddamn world is right across a you know an imaginary line that used used to be theirs as their ancestors. I mean, the whole fucking thing is insane. Like, no, it's it's so bad. I mean, I don't think people in the 1800s really understood what they were doing when they allowed America to take over parts of this like continent. I don't think they realized that you know two centuries later. We are having to deal with the consequences of kind of forced borders and forced separation. Yeah. I mean, it just, don't get me wrong. I'm not like anti-American or anything, but like the, we have done. We've done so much so fucked up much shit. wrong in this world. Oh my God. And so much of, happen- has, of it has happened like here in our own home you know and there are these people who just like they just want to love america and they want to spout all this like american great bullshit and just want to like basically get jazzed off this shit those are like simply the only word you can use to describe those people's uneducated yeah but what this movie does really well is it makes a connection with those types of people it pulls in and talks about a major issue which is veterans and those type of people love to say, like, we got to do whatever we can for our veterans. We got to help them in any way we can, like, do whatever. They've served our country. And this movie literally, like, looks at them, holds up a mirror, and basically just says, like, hey, there's a bunch of, you know, undocumented people who served your country, and we're sending them back. Is that okay? And they have to grapple with that, and they have to think about, like, oh, is it okay for them to, like, is border jumping okay when they, it helps me directly? Or is it anybody who wants to come here and have a better life, and if they want to come here and serve our country, we give them citizenship? Like, that, that it, it makes be, That shouldn't be a question. It shouldn't. It shouldn't. But this movie shows that issue to those people because they always bitch about immigration reform, and then it points out something very majorly glaring in the issue and says, hey, you better figure this one out, too. Yeah. And I mean, I, figure it out. Just make it right. Yeah. I mean, that is a great tact to take. Yeah. It's smart as shit. Yes. Yeah. I, I Yeah. The whole thing is smart as shit. Like, it's a, re- yeah. it's a really good short film. 
And I think a goal in most short films is like you want to see more. You would like to see what a full length feature version of this would be. Yeah. I would love that. Oh yeah. I think oh, that yeah. would this be insanely shit. cool. This this fifteen minute short film could mm-hmm. be turned into a serious like eight to ten part hour long episode Netflix show. Oh yeah, you could just focus Easily. on one person per time. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. No, or do like awesome. do the real backstory. Like you can do three episodes per person. Yeah. You do one on their family in the in America. You do one on them. You do one with like show anyone you, anyone side, you can man. get from the yeah. government to talk about his case like you get every fucking angle from it and but don't even don't do it like it's an investigation of that no, person i'm not no no no, 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 no i know, I know, I know, I know but saying. when you say when you say like get somebody from the case it's almost just like csi miami no no, no no that's not what i mean like, but like to show background on it but then to also show like what happened what he's doing now like yeah i'm saying much in the vein circle. of like how tiger king did it where they get the yeah. u.s uh, the district attorney just to talk about like this is literally exactly what happened in the courtroom. This is exactly what happened like as a result of you know yeah. the this um, judgment. Uh, that's all you really need. That's all I'm really yeah. talking. And then someone, an expert, to explain our current immigration system. Um, you know. No, but I mean, like I we would never have thought about the the visa thing about coming back and seeing your kids. We never probably would have thought about the veteran thing. But like those are two issues within the immigration like debate that like don't get as much playtime on network television yeah and so if you could have a whole series where you really point out all the different issues of it man that would change the game on the conversation i think so like you would then have a completely you would you'd hopefully have you would have people who would become really really well well educated about it because they're seeing all the different issues that are come with it yeah, and I think this and potential, is potential and potential solutions. Hopefully, right. I think right now is like an incredible time for this movie to come out because I think it is a complementary issue to the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. right? Just in the same way that I think like Native American rights and um, you know uh, Mexican immigrant rights should how do you feel about like other countries like you know immigrating what do you mean like south america and central america countries like do you have the same um view on that that like you know because i i I feel that like mexican citizens should have um free movement is like much in the same way like we do with canada or probably even more relaxed but i don't think that same courtesy should probably be extended to central or south american countries i mean i guess i never really thought about it strictly based on the history right well what do you mean by that it's strictly based on the fact that mexico used to be texas new mexico arizona california utah all oh, that, okay, yeah, right. I, I America has never been Honduras Belize. So you would want it to be like it's open borders within the continent, and then you'd have to have some sort of immigration screening for the South American countries. Yeah, non-Mexican citizens. Yeah, I mean, I'd be okay with that because, and I think, I mean, that's kind of what they've they negotiated after the uh, migration thing last year, whatever they're calling it. 
Oh, uh, not NAFTA. I don't know what the new name of it is. No, but... that whole like herd of people that were traveling up. There. Oh, yeah. They eventually the like... thing meant to scare everybody into voting in 2018. Shit, was that 2018? Yeah. Holy fuck. Uh. Yeah, like, I think Mexico, they, they worked out some deal with Mexico where, like, they basically were stopping all non-Mexicans at the South Mexican border and were like, like, fuck off. Like, well, the Mexicans can come and, like, yeah. they can mass cross the border, but, like, fuck off with all you all these other, like, yep. gang members from El Salvador and all this other shit. Jesus Christ, I don't know if that's what was happening from El Salvador, but all right. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's where oh, it's in 13 and, like. Oh fuck! All that shit. So, um, no, I think I'd be okay with that. I think. I think. I think that's a really appropriate. Uh, yes, um, I think that's a good first policy. step. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. all of this, and then you have like, you know, he. How do I put it? You have reasonable immigration policy for the rest of South American and Central American countries. Like, you know, if if you truly have people trying to escape gang violence and that kind of thing, let them in. Uh, economic, uh, like, uh, uncertainty, like, just, you know, coming from a poor economic country, I don't think mm-hmm. should be, like, an open ticket. If there's, like, economic or political suppression directly yes. by the government, then we should definitely let people in. Um, I mean, it's so complicated, but, like, strictly with Mexico, I think it should be just, like, you know, unless you're a fucking murderer in Mexico, yeah, unless you do what you want, right? Like, like, being called a criminal for being an illegal, you know, immigrant yeah. is bullshit that's not a crime again strictly speaking strictly speaking i it, morally it's a criminal fuck offense. no calling them a criminal for like, that is kind of fucked up no it it's ridiculous yeah so i will that is my opinion it is fucking ridiculous if you go out and fucking stab somebody yeah you're a fucking criminal if you try to right. come and have a better life in another country, you're not a fucking criminal. You're just like any other immigrant yeah. that came to America. My only caveat like, to that is, like, if you're having a strictly legal discussion on CNN or Fox News, like, using the term illegal uh, immigrants or, you know, whatever, I think that's fine. But, like, blanket blanket terming all illegal immigrants as criminals for effect, mm-hmm. fucking nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. And like, are, are we in are we in a, a courtroom, Ryan? No. Yeah, so fuck legality. I'm calling no, it one on one. I'm saying <laughs> if if constitutional I know experts I on care. CNN are having I a know. discussion about it, that's some that's all the, I'm saying. I like to watch some CNN, but sometimes those guys get real douchey, and I'm just like, fuck yeah, fuck go yeah. fuck yourself. And Fox like, News don't can, care. Fox News can use it to rile up the Trump base, right? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, it works Did both you ways. See the thing that. Tucker Carlson like photoshopped three photos across like. Well, you think fo- Tucker Carlson sitting down in Adobe okay. Photoshop on and- his show? He was had like photoshopped images. I know. Yes, I saw. Okay, it's the only point I needed to make there, Ryan. I'm not defending any of Max Gendo head rating four. Okay, I'm gonna give it a three. The okay. more I thought about it, the more I liked it. Okay. I would have liked a little bit more background on Freddie, which again I think that's just the shortcomings of short film. <laughs> um but i i enjoyed it i think it raised a lot of really good points and brought some information um to the forefront that i think we desperately like we need to desperately have a discussion about all of this but those two need to jump to the top of the the pile when people start talking about immigration reform that those two things need to be talked about a way more. And I think they did a really good job of bringing that to the forefront. 
and they did a really good job of getting a lot of really really cool information out of all three of the subjects in this movie or in this short film so i i really enjoyed it i'll give it a three out of five yeah i'll give it a four i thought for a short film it was excellent um they Low key need... though it's shot really well too oh, it's gorgeous yeah, yeah it's fucking gorgeous um they they knew what message they wanted delivered yeah. and they delivered it expertly and i really hope they get the chance to um flush it out you know yeah, hopefully this, this gets would... some some traction that would be a good question for monica and eric is is there i bet there is but like is there an idea or a you know a desire to expand upon this like how would y'all want to do that is that in the cards like i would be very very interested to see what they say about that for sure i think it could go somewhere but let's give a real quick shout out they all talked about it and or you know they made it so so those in credits were uh brought to you by the texas civil rights project yes um so if you want to check out the short film again, it's Los Otros by Monica Pendergrass and Eric Baldetti. It is now available on the Dead Center Film Festival. So just go to Dead Center, uh, I think it's festival.org. Just go to the film slate. Uh, I think you can actually pay to watch just that one or just get a pass. Uh, they're all really reasonable and there's been some fire fucking content on this thing yeah. already. Like we're going to I'm going to post a bunch of articles these next few days. But we're going to watch Birdie, I think, tomorrow. Yeah. And if you want to do your own research into, into this issue more, definitely check out Texas Civil Rights Project. Yes. that's I, I think that's something that everybody needs to check out. And it's it's just a crazy topic. And it hits a little bit more close to home because yeah. we're in Texas. But I think it's it's a great job by the Dead Center Film Festival to, to point this one out, being in Oklahoma. And you know, it's also something that's super topical there as well. So you ready for my 10-minute monologue? I'm going to go get another fucking drink before we do that. <laughs> what's your, um, both of you, what's, uh, uh, let me rephrase this. Lara, what was your favorite scene from the books to film? And Owen, what is the scene you're most looking forward to seeing? That's tough. Um, That's a very good question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, Sorry to it's put you tough. on. I mean... All right, Ryan, I don't know if you noticed, but I didn't just get one beer. I got two beers. Probably a good move. Because I think we're going to be here a while on this one. Do you want to tell the sweet, sweet, sweet people what we're about to talk about? <clears throat> okay. So, Artemis Fowl. You're not going to hear from me for a while, so I'll just be over here drinking. Okay. So, Disney released Artemis Fowl on Disney+. Plus. This past Friday. If you don't know, Artemis Fowl is a children's book written by Ian Colfer. Owen. Owen Colfer. Owen Colfer, an Irish uh, novelist, children's book writer, whatever. Um, For people who can't see, which is nobody, he just took his hat off. He's about to go ham on this goddamn movie. Yeah, I'm about to get like real nostalgic first. I want to explain to people the just the magic of Artemis Fowl before we destroy it. Um, and for anybody wondering at home, this is a dumpster fire review. This is a dumpster fire re- review for sure. So this book came out when I was 10 years old, right? Um, and 
the story of Artemis Fowl in the books, mind you, is we have this child. He's 12 years old. He's on the hunt for clues to a fairy civilization that lives inside and beneath us in the earth, right? And they live inside you? They live I'm I'm trying everything not to say inner earth because that's like a fucking They live next to the core of the earth. <laughs> yeah, they live close to the core of the earth. Yeah. So you got fairies living beneath the humans and Artemis Fowl is part of a long dynasty of what is portrayed popularly as criminals, but if to the people who are in the know, the fowls are actually protectorates and uh, a connection, if you will, to the fairy world. They've known about the fairy world for some time, right? And Artemis Fowl's father, who, you know, multi-millionaire businessman and criminal blah 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 supposedly gets like kidnapped and murdered by russian mobsters he got into league with russians right russians yeah and uh so Artemis now his mother is just bedridden depressed as can be barely coherent delusional and artemis is heartbroken by the fact that his mom is First, he's crushed by the fact that his beloved father is assumingly dead. The fact that his mom is now bedridden and just completely cut off from him. The only connection he has now is his butler, who is more than just a butler. He's a martial arts expert, a uh, special forces trains weapons expert. What's his name, though? His name's Don Butler. So it's Mr. Butler? It's Mr. Butler. So he's yeah. literally, he's actually not a butler. He's, um, he's Artemis's bodyguard. Handler. He's his bodyguard. And so the only connection is that he has his bodyguard now, right? And it's up but the to- the bodyguard has a sister. Stop. We'll get there, right? Let me, let me get through the book first. No, but it's not even his sister in the movie. It's his, his niece. niece. I know. <laughs> so let me get to it. <laughs> Fuck's sake, I don't want to talk about the goddamn movie. Let me live go, in the go. beauty of the book. But we got we gotta shit all over it. So. I know, I know. I'm getting there. Hold on. Right. And so uh, Artemis Fowl is a criminal mastermind. I mean, he's a uber, uber genius. He eventually cracks the code of this codex that, that he found that is from the fairy world. And with this codex, he's able to infiltrate the fairy world and kidnap one of their elves, leprechauns, whatever. He uses this hostage to try and negotiate with the underworld's government to fucking take back like all the gold the underworld has stolen from the humans in order to reclaim and his his family's name to prestige, right? So that's the conflict. And this is one of my top three favorite books of all time as a kid, I'll say, right? There's Prisoner of Azkaban, book okay. book three, yeah. Harry Potter. There's Artemis Fowl, the first book, and then there's The Scorpion, which is the story of a cloned um, child who solely lives to replace the organs of a billionaire, basically. One of fucked up movies or books, but yeah. A bunch of fucked up books, really. You could tell a lot about me about the books I've read. But in this book particularly, you know, 
I saw myself in Armas Fowl, right? Like, as a 12-year-old specifically, you know, I don't want to be hugely pretentious, but of yeah. above average intelligence, did not fit in well at all in normal school or groups or with friend groups or anything like that. And fuck, if I can be a criminal mastermind and get, take hostages from the underworld or the fairy world in order to claim my family's name, fuck yeah. Like, let's. Jeez. That sounds fucking badass, right? Like, very, so, like. Very different childhoods, but all right. Yeah, yeah. clearly. Um, um, so, I fuck. This is one of my just most beloved, like, childhood memories. And Disney fucking destroyed it. All right, let's go. <laughs> I'm back. All right. I wasn't really gone, but this is an abomination of a movie. This is so bad. This so, will really be a cult classic for some people, and it might actually be a cult classic for me. No, I, I actually will never watch this movie again. This is such a poor adaptation of the books. I, it's not even an adaptation. On the fucking trailers for this, this should say, based on, or it should say, an based adap- on the ideas, an of- adaptation of the Ian Colfer universe, Artemis Fowl. This should no, no way no. be based on the first book, Artemis Fowl. <coughs> to this- say this is even like remotely based on the first book is a is, god, a is, huge is stretch. a travesty. Is it's a- literally like. It's it's basically it stretching taffy at Six Flags, bro. It is like ridiculous. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna like compare it to something I know super well, which is Harry Potter. Okay, this is like you did Sorcerers of Stone, but it was entirely in like the Weasleys' house for the first movie. Like, yeah. it has no connection to the original story, and they change major fucking parts of it, up yes. to including hey. Spoiler alert. Why don't, I don't you give the movie synopsis now so we can compare and contrast? I will in a second, but I got to say something real fast. Okay. I am cool if you want to do a male character that's a female or a female as a male. That's fine. You do you. But when but not it, when wait, it wait, destroys wait. the story. But when it ch- changes the moral like backstory of this character. Oh, a different character. Yeah, but like directly that character influences another character. And by changing the sex of it cancels out that entire side plot you are doing a disservice to the story and to that original character yes that is abhorrent in the sense of any movie adaptation of a yes book. because as it's other abhorrent. reviewers have rightly taken notice of holly short was the hero of the original book artemis fowl was actually like not a good dude. He was a villain. He no, yeah. he was an anti-hero. He was, he was like the child's anti-hero. Exactly. And Holly Short was just this completely lovable underdog of a character who comes into her own and, you know, is the hero of the story. She's a heroine. And yeah. they stripped that from her. They stripped it for her. Okay, so we'll get the synopsis real fast. Yeah, let's do that. So... Artemis Fowl defends his castle. That's basically it. For a dumpster fire review, that's all you're getting. Let me interject real fast. I watched a behind-the-scenes clip before we started this. Ooh. First off, this budget of the movie is $125 million, Which is obscene. Kenneth Branagh, he probably oh. he probably spent $25 million on what I'm about to explain. The house that they shot this in 
that house is literally built from the ground up. A real fucking house. Wait, wait, wait. They built the house themselves. Yeah, and I'm not talking like a set of a house. This was truly a brick and mortar constructed fucking castle that Disney built to shoot this movie. I'm leaving in all of this silence because that is one of the most absurd fucking things I've ever heard for a movie that cost $125 million and turned out absolute dog shit. This movie... So the, 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 the synopsis of the movie is Artemis is this know-it-all kid at his fucking school and you know it because he like basically tells off the headmaster in like a therapy session his therapist yeah whatever don't care at this point he then goes home and his dad's like oh son i'm colin farrell i'm not gonna turn into johnny depp this time but come here we're gonna go walk through the forest real fucking fast so they go and do that shit then somehow colin farrell gets abducted and What's his face? Artemis has no clue about the fairy world, which, by the way, when they say fairies, they mean all fucking like magical creatures. It's not just a fairy. It's a troll, goblin, dwarf. Like it could be anything in that world. I think technically in the books, it was the fairy were like all the creatures of the magical world. Yeah. And I, I would have to go back and check, but I'm pretty sure Holly Short was literally a leprechaun. No, she said elf. Elf? Yeah, we saw an interview today that said that she was like an elf. Okay, okay. Yeah, so yeah, she's yeah, an elf. Go. So Artemis now has to like figure Same out. Thing, right? Yeah, whatever. He has to figure out like, oh, where'd my dad go? Like, what the hell's going on? Unlike the book, he has no clue about the fairy world. Has never been told. And he's supposed to be this like mastermind who can do anything. And he somehow finds a book. He somehow finds like that his dad's missing, but then everything falls into place where like he now has everything he needs. And it's basically three fourths of the way through the movie. Kid hasn't done shit. He hasn't even like left his house really. And he's calling himself a criminal mastermind, which is the dumbest thing in the world because he hasn't done a fucking thing. And at this point in the book, they literally spend at least two to three chapters Explaining how Artemis cracks a codex that he had stolen from a drunk fucking fairy in like Vietnam. Like that's how the book starts. They're in Vietnam and they find a drunk fairy that they get the fucking like thing they need to find the codex and they go get the codex and they decode the codex. Like you could have done that scene for half what you probably built that house. They show like they explain why he's a fucking genius in the books. No explanation in the movies. And the real problem with this, I think, I'll let you finish the synopsis here. But oh, I'm done we, with the synopsis. Oh, you're done with it. Yeah, I'm not gonna give anything else away. Okay, so we're not. I mean, we'll talk. We'll talk about it. But continue your thought. Yeah. So, I think is if you don't know, this went from this was delayed several years, and then. Finally, had Harvey Weinstein attached to it, then they had to like when everything came out about him, kick his entire production company off the fucking set. No one needed that. Oh, they definitely needed. No to one know needed that. that, Alex. This was delayed so years. It got a theater date, then it got pushed back, and then it got released on Disney Plus. The original one runtime for this was a hour fifty five. 
the Disney Plus version is an hour 35. If you watch the trailer, pretty much like 80% of the trailer isn't in the movie. They cut a significant part of the story and I think completely rearranged the beginning of it um, because the, the drunk fairy like is like very obviously in the fucking trailers, right? So, and they, they're shown in Vietnam like finding the, the <coughs> artifacts. So that's where I think Dis- Disney came in and just fucked this movie. They might have had like a really good Armist Fowl movie shot, but maybe Disney fucked them. I don't think Disney fucked them. You were asking me earlier why why Kenneth Branagh was allowed to direct this movie. You realize he did Thor, right? He directed the original Thor movie. Yeah. So there's a really famous line from that set that I think was very, very ominous to what happened at in Artemis Fowl. And it was this line. He couldn't say the name of Thor's hammer. He was like, oh, is it Mjolnir? Right, he's like meow meow. Like that's where that joke kind of came from in the movie, where she's like, "Oh, where's meow meow?" Like that fucking line came from the fact that he couldn't say Mjolnir, and so he literally was just like, which I couldn't until about a fucking year ago. Right. But like that line literally came from that. So, anyways, he like, looked he looked at somebody and said, "Oh, can't we change the name of the hammer?" And somebody else off screen was like. No, the fans will flip their shit if you change the name of this, you know, hammer. And he's like, "Oh man, but it'd be so much easier if we were able to just able to change it. Like we should be, able, we should just change it." And they're like, "No," like Feige is probably off screen somewhere saying, "Like no, motherfucker, we can't change the name Mjolnir." So th- that's that is you had somebody who had no problem changing parts of a story that had been long established in the past. He had no problem coming in and changing shit in that story, in that book. That's where that's, that part of that started. With that story, I would bet so much money that he never read the books. And that makes me really sad. That, like, yeah. that, like, just... Yeah, no, it... it... Here's what my thing, and this is what pisses me off the most. And you, there are moments in this where you were like, oh, I kind of enjoy this. And I was like, holy shit... Because I kept asking you, I was like, that's not in the book, right? And there was maybe one or two moments where you were like, yeah. Like, there were multiple moments where you were like, yeah, that didn't fucking happen. Or like, this Most doesn't happen. Most of the time, I shook my head no. Yeah. yeah. Th- that would have made me so mad because I'm such a Harry Potter fan. And my head kept going back to like, oh my God, if they had completely just fucked up the Harry Potter story, there would have been a riot. Like, I would have, I, I would have freaked yeah. out, man. And I think that's a testament to how good Harry Potter was that they fucking just followed the books almost to a T. They left out Peeves. They left out the Quidditch World Cup, kind of. They left out the Death Day Party in the second one. Like, there's shit that they kind of left out, but they never fundamentally changed whole parts of the book. And that's a testament to how good Harry Potter was. And I think we've seen in so many other young adult movies that they've just completely just don't get the idea of what those stories are. And that's why they fuck them up so bad. Like I was a huge fan of the Alex Ryder series back in like the late two thousands. Then they made a movie of it with like a lot of really well-known people. It still sucks. Cause it's just, it just doesn't work. Right. And I think that's the problem with this. And I think that's why we're lucky in a lot of other, you know, intellectual properties right now that have people who really love 
those characters and want to do right by them. But in this case, Disney just didn't put it in the hands of somebody who really loved it and wanted to do right by those characters. And you got this and you got a really horrific story that is nothing close to what the books are. Yeah. And you know, I actually did enjoy watch. Like I I had an enjoyable time watching the movie. If I think about, you know, if I can watch the movie and not think about like trying to connect it to the book, it's an enjoyable movie to watch. And simply it's enjoyable simply because there's a live action Artemis Fowl. Like there's literally just a boy called Artemis Fowl on videotape. Like that is just, you can't get that excitement out of like the 12 year old inside of me. So there's that. It's just enjoyable for that reason. But it like it really, there are certain parts of it that really piss me off. Like, and it's just, I can't be mad per se yeah. by it. I'm just like, I'm just disappointed. And, you know, I wish I was actually thinking like, you know, if I shot this movie, how would I, sh- how would I have done it differently? And how would I would have done it? Like not spending $125 million like we were talking about this on the car ride home from dinner. Like you shoot this movie by like, you know, doing it almost in a, like you shoot it like James Bond, right? Like James Bond is very expensive and has a lot of special effects just because they can spend that money and they're going to make that money back in a huge blockbuster. But actually the, the draw of Bond isn't, the action and the like, I mean, it is, but it really actually is like the fucking character of bond, right? He's a badass, but he's also just like this guy who's been torn into a million glass shards out of the business that he's in. Right. You do the same thing with Artemis Fowl. Like you keep it like really tight with hard with a 12 year old main character. It is just get a 16 year old. That looks like he's 11. It's not that hard. Just get Timothy Chalamet to do it. Timothy, yes, yes. Oh my god! Like, <laughs> that's a little bit of a stretch. On he looks like he's twelve, but you spend your whole CGI budget de-aging him. Oh my god! On, I mean, could you imagine Timothy Chalamet with the same attitude as that? No, it'd be so much better. Did you but ever it's... see that movie, that Netflix movie he did? Uh, the King one? Yeah. I saw literally the last, like, 15 minutes of it because you had it on. Like, that attitude in Artemis Fowl, holy shit, that'd be a good movie. But, yeah, I mean... I just feel bad for you because I knew you were excited about this. And I think at the moment when Judy Dench said top of the morning, we were just like, yeah, this is this is not going yeah, well. Yeah, but that's why I say it's, like, going to be almost like a cult classic for me because it's, like, it's so ridiculously fucking bad. It's, like, it's almost kind of good. Like... It's not, it's not at all. Don't go see this movie. Like, don't, don't waste your time if you're not, like, a huge fucking fan of the book. But, uh, there are, like, some quality, some moments like the top of the morning. Like, if someone hasn't made that a gif. It literally fucking paused, and that's when she said it. I literally heard her pause, and I was like, she's about to say something really stupid. And then she just throws that one out there. I was like, okay. I'm making that a gif, like, sometime this week. Because... But there's there's some parts so of the movie that are bad. like that that are like what the fuck that the other is there's a character who's like 
the Q from Bond is like the tech genius for the uh, fairy police department. And he's a centaur. Okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah. there's parts. I thought you were talking about him, but I. Was... There's parts when this character is introduced where he's galloping around oh the, the the fucking precincts like tech room. They're like fucking war room, and he literally there's a scene where like he goes around a corner and like you just all you see is his back legs like kick up in the air as he disappears behind the wall. Doesn't he drift at one point? Oh yeah, it's great, dude. It's so awesome. <laughs> like, like I like I saw one part where he like like. Every left frame, and then he was just like, "Oh, like I gotta get out of here!" And he's <laughs> yeah. like back to like pot, like hooves, like did the little like gallop shit. And I was like, "He definitely was sliding around on the glass oh floor." God, man, like what is happening in this movie? I, yeah, it is. What would you? I mean, would you even give this movie anything on our Jindo Max Head rating? This is just a dumpster fire for you. It'd be a negative five. Okay. Yeah, like it's it is. I I I there was there's only one moment. I kind of liked if, if I'm and gonna, that's like that's really fucking just you know being generous if I'm gonna give it like an ironic like this movie's so bad it's like good Jindo Max head rating I give it like a it's like a t- two at that no, it's, but I can't even I can't even give it a point one it's so bad I don't even know how to rate this movie like you, I rate this movie depending on like what mood you caught me in <laughs> really no if i'm if i'm thinking about like how much i love this as a child and like reading all the books in the series and and then like getting this like makes me furious but as a 30 year old man who shouldn't get furious about children's books being adapted into a movie like you know it's it's cool whatever (laughs) yeah it's just a bad movie i i feel bad because i think the kid you know the actors are probably good that poor fucking kid who played Artemis man oh yeah like it's his first role ever yeah that's the other thing like i'm sorry if you're gonna put somebody in an ip like i get like Harry- he's he's someone's grandson though fucking daniel radcliffe didn't even get like that wasn't his first movie like he had done shit before he'd done a, like david a, copperfield shit a before. theater no he'd done movies before had he yeah oh yeah okay. he was in a movie called he was in something called like david copperfield well this kid he uh, like he's some he's somebody shaw's like grandson yeah, I need the and so like you know, he, uh, dude sucks, man. Like some dude in Jaws. Oh yeah, he was in Jaws, and like this is his grandson, Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Okay, like I get nepotism is awesome, but I, I like, mean, man, like, you just got it. You because it's not, it's not. I don't think it's he's not a bad even actor, but but no, he but wasn't it's not ready fair. for this role. Disney needs to know that's not fair to a kid that young to put them in a spot like that. Where, like, it's going to be kind of a little bit high pressure. Like, you don't do that type of shit. You do, but, like, two days of dailies worth of material should have been enough to say, we cannot continue with this. Like, yeah, it's not fair to him. It's not, it's not it's good for not our movie overall. To, it's just not fair to anybody. Like, we cannot continue like, with this kid. Like, unfortunately, they did, and, like... He has good. I think this kid has a bright future. Like, I think he could become a really good no, actor. No, it's not even just like that. He's like, it's not. It's not. He's a shit actor. No, yeah, exactly. It's definitely. He didn't do a great job because it was his first movie, 
and he needs more practice before you can say he's a bad actor. And also, like, like you just need to. It's like any other profession; you just need to give this kid time. Yes, and actors are only good as the writing material they're given. The writing and the direction. Holy shit! This movie had probably the worst. So much exposition. This had the worst screenplay I have ever fucking seen. I mean, like the first six minutes of the whole freaking movie are like exposition. And the edit, like, I, it might have been even the edit was so bad because, like, there's it's scenes so cut together in this movie bad. that are just, like, happen out of nowhere. That's like, why, like, that's why I cannot enjoy this movie because it's all exposition. And literally, you do not have to see any other part of the movie to know that. But the scene where, like, they lock up Holly in the fucking, like, uh, prison thing in his house. Yeah. And she's like stomping around all pissed off. And then she just stops, stares at the camera and just screams, not happy. It's like, cool, bro. You didn't need to tell us that she's pissed off. You could have just had her fucking walking around all ticked off. Like there's a reason that there's no, none that I, that's like super accurate for her. Character. I don't care. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. You don't need to do that. 90, you need to do that in a book because the book says she said not happy. You can't. You can say like, oh, she was walking around all frustrated. No, no, no. I'm saying yeah. Holly Short. Like that's something exactly like Holly Short actually did in the book. But that's what I'm saying. That's because you're in a book. You would say you would have that line. She said not happy because in a book you cannot see it. You have to have words that I you're guess. fucking. You can I only mean. so much describe that in a movie. You don't need that. You don't. You don't. But I get what you're saying. So like that part of it is just like there's way too much exposition. Yeah, yeah. The writing, the writing's horrible. Movie, man. Like, your, your point's correct for sure. I'm gonna fucking belabor it though, bro. Okay. All right. All right. Let's talk about a movie that we fucking actually liked. Was the, I? I thought of this on the way over here. Like, Artemis Fowl was a perfect story adapted into one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. The King's Town mm-hmm. Island is. A tragic, heartbreaking story adapted into one of the most perfect movies you'll ever see. Yeah, it's there's nothing really to bitch about in this movie. This movie's incredible. Like, it is. We were super excited about it beforehand, and we were lucky enough to be joined by Keith Robinson, who has a very uh, he has a cameo in it. Um, but we were stoked about it before it even came out, and it lived up to almost every expectation i had except for one and even the way that they did that one part really made me happy and it was a good way to use it and i'll explain that later but if you don't know we've talked about it a ton we'll give a little bit quick explanation of what king of staten island is king of staten island stars pete davidson it is directed by judd apatow and um pete davidson plays a character called scott yeah um and Scott is having a rough time of it. He is 24, still lives with his mom, is a stoner, doesn't do much, just likes to tattoo really shitty tattoos on his fucking friends. And children. Yeah, and children. Um, spoiler. Um, <laughs> it happens early. Yeah, it happens really early in the movie. Um, but So he's dealing with all of this. His sister's about to go off to college. And he is still dealing with the death of his father 17 years prior from being a firefighter. He died in a fire. There was a, there was a hotel fire. He went in, tried to save somebody, and he perished in the fire. 
And so Scott has never really been able to get over this tragedy, has had trouble dealing with it. And Scott's mom starts to date a firefighter for the first time after 17 years, who's played by Bill Burr, who is fucking amazing in this movie. Like top five like comedy, you know, turns I've ever seen. Like he steals the show. He's fucking hilarious. That might be hyperbole, but I think it was fucking hilarious. Anyways, but his Scott's mom's played by Marissa Tomei. Um, really good. And, you know, she starts to kind of like tell him to, you know, you need to start figuring out your shit, bud. And he kicks him out of the house and he kind of starts hanging out with Ray and, you know, is at the firehouse with him. And, you know, it, it just goes down a path of, real discovery of a person with some hilarious comedy and an ending that I think does justice to the overall story. So Ryan, you want to jump in here? Cause I'm done sucking this one's teat. Are you? Yeah, somewhat. So what would your, uh, Jindo Max said review of this be four and a half. Okay. Same. Yeah. I, might be a five for me. It might be. It's close to a five. It's I. I don't know why, but there's just there's something a little bit missing overall, and maybe that's how they ended it. But even with the ending, the ending made me. It. I appreciated the ending because it basically. And spoiler alert: Don't listen to the rest of this until you've watched the movie. Three, two, one. Basically, with all that happening, it ends where he is now on a path where he's going to become better. He's not, he hasn't really gotten a job yet, but he's figured out he wants to draw or he's gotten better at tattoos. So he's kind of on a path to being better about that. He's finally told, um, his, you know, love interest. I don't remember her name. Uh, she's played by bell Pally. Um, but basically like he's finally told her that he loves her. They had been friends since they were like little and he's always been worried about like losing her, but he's finally told her like, Hey, I love you. And there's, there's motion on that path. And now he's, you know, friends with this guy that is dating his mom and he wasn't okay with his mom really dating up to that point. So there's all this character progression and there's really no defined like, and like everybody's happy. Everything's magically cool, but I love it so much because it ends where it's like, Hey, you don't really know what his life is going to be like for the rest of his life, but he's got a good path. And I think that shows like what really life is where it's like, there's so many ups and downs and people are going to go through, through so much change that to give this kind of character a defined ending would be unjust. Like you need to show that it's going to continually change and continually go. And I think that is the best type of ending to have for this type of movie because I love when movie imitates life and that's really what life is like. So I think it did such a good job just from that angle. Yeah. I, the thing that this movie does so well is it is such like a gritty, real interpretation of an adaptation of Pete Davidson's life story. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, dude, Loden Staten Island looks fucking unreal, first off. Um, yeah, it looks like a completely different world. Sort of, yeah. Um, 
like the shit this ha- guy has to deal with is fucking crazy, right? Okay, like his dad dead is Bad this the story? Yeah, that means dead, right? Yeah. You're trying to be respectful here? Yes. You're trying to be respectful for the... I'm trying to, yes. Yeah, I guess it is a real person, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, okay. Um... Jesus <laughs> Sorry. I mean, not really, though. It's a, it's a, it wasn't the guy's name, right? A completely different story, technically. In real life, which the movie's based on, yes, his dad passed away. Yeah, but not... Okay, a... so be respectful of his dad. His dad is dead in the movie. And... <laughs> The story picks up like right when his sister's leaving for college. So his mom is an emotional wreck. Uh, he's with a fun group that's fucking terrible. I mean, Horrific. pretty terrible. There's one yeah. dude who uh, really makes up for it, though. Moises Arias? Yeah. yeah he's, he's so awesome. good. He's such a cool dude. But the other two are bullshit. Um, his love interest like wants to be in a relationship, but he doesn't want to be in a relationship with her. He supposedly got like ADD or some kind of like manic depressive thing going on. So, you know, he's not comfortable like actually being in a relationship period with somebody. Um, he, like he eventually tattoos a kid on the beach. Uh, the kid's parent, Bill Burr, finds out and drags his child to Scott's house and just berates his mom about his kid allowing or him, her allowing his kid to like fucking tattoo someone they eventually like ham it out and like go on a date so now his mom is dating this fucking guy who thinks he thinks is an asshole he goes on he hates him he goes on a manhunt to find dirt on this guy gets all of it from the guy's ex-wife gets his mom to like basically break up with the dude you know after he almost gets in a fist fight with bill burr but then gets kicked out himself gets kicked out himself so bill burr's you know single and scott pete davison is homeless they eventually go buddy buddy at the old firehouse together where scott apparently lives for several weeks but learns some responsibility yeah up until this point in the movie uh his life is like literal dog shit and it he's you know what nothing he's cracking open coldie bro cracking over coldie and the yeah. dog moaning in the background yeah, his dog's just dipping out his old bones picks his body up pray for max yeah max is having some uh some surgeries snip snips on tuesday yeah we're going with the little medical procedure so keep him in your doggy thoughts he'll be fine it's yeah. nothing serious he'll be fine um up until this point in the movie before he like moves into the firehouse like his life like wow it was was a fucking it's a shit show it was a dumpster fire (laughs) yeah and then he moves into the firehouse and then this movie just fucking blossoms like it is yeah however i can't say enough good words about like there's three things i want to highlight real fast okay first one i'm going to start out with a negative I'm going to go into two positives. The first negative, the only real problem I had with the movie, which is also technically a positive. I was so stoked for Machine Gun Kelly to show up in this movie. And I was excited because like he had done that Hulu movie with Pete Davidson and they had like really good chemistry. That shit was funny. Yeah. So like I was excited for that. But then MGK shows up and he is basically the tattoo artist who Pete Davidson had wanted to intern for or apprentice for. 
And there's this real adversarial tone between the two of them. And I was worried. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, they're going to make each other hate each other. Like, this guy's going to be a dick. Which, yeah, he ends up being a dick. But I was really kind of annoyed how by how it started. And then when I realized, like, where it was going, I was like, oh, fuck, yeah. Okay, I'm it done. It turns out to be a great scene. Exactly. And that's my point is, literally, I was getting up to let Max out. And I turned my out of my eye, like the side of my eye. I was like, is that a Confederate flag on his chest? And then almost immediately, I think either you or Angela go, is that a Confederate flag on his chest? And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm not insane here. And then literally a couple seconds later, like Pete Davidson's character calls it out and then calls out like the other tattoo of like a dude who had been, who was murdered dead, or something. was and, like, murdered. And then like all the other tattoos he has. Yeah. Or like all bullshit, like asshole tattoos. He's literally guy, like a this race. Guy's jacked. Yeah, this guy's a white supremacist, jacked fucking killer. And so literally, like MGK's like, oh yeah, because Pete Davidson's calling him out, like, okay, you're gonna be like, you're gonna tattoo a fucking, you know, Grim Reaper with a Confederate flag in it, and he's like, oh, I don't give a shit what they do. It's like, it's like, all right, well, the same asshole would probably get this other tattoo, and like, he's just fucking calling this dude out, and I was like, oh fuck yeah, this is a great character moment, cool, fuck MGK. Like, in that moment, I was like, all right. Like, I was ticked how it began with MGK because I was expecting more of a comedic moment. But it just shows, like, MGK's range and Pete Davidson's range. And I think it's, like, a really, really good scene. Yeah, it was good. So what are the other the other two? The other two moments. <laughs> Loved Keith's scene. Him, him, Kim calling, like, the other kid Fat Kanye or whatever was hilarious. It's a real shame it was only, like, you know what a, half, a minute, and, yeah, a minute, minute and, and a half or so. or so i thought they were gonna bring him back like that's why i was like oh okay it's not it like i thought there was gonna be like another joke about this guy like chasing him down somewhere it would have been hilarious to have him like in a golf cart later in the movie like just riding down and shooting that's what i'm saying island. yeah i thought that's where yeah. they were going with it so i, I was kind of sad that they didn't do something like that but his his jokes and his lines were super funny so he's yeah, yeah. he's perfect in that like minute and a half to two oh, yeah. minutes scene like with yeah, it's I'd love fucking to, funny, dude. I'd love to see him do a, a full length movie though. He's he when I when we were talking a couple weeks ago, he talked about wanting to do his own movie, like direct his own movie. I'd love to see what he would come up with. Hey Keith, do a comedic take an arm as foul for us. We'll love you forever. Oh, dude, <laughs> I'd flip the fuck out. Oh my god. No, I think he would do something really cool, and I think he would be able to get a lot of really well known comedians to come in and cameo or help like star in it. And it would be him just riffing with all these people. And there would be so much fucking gold from all those, like, outtakes and shit. It'd be hilarious. Yeah, for sure. Can I? Can we take a time out real fast? And, uh, no, 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 no. Don't start recording. Okay. Okay. So uh, Judy Dench's character in Artemis Fowl oh, was, was supposed to be is a, is a male character, yeah. right? Okay. And the voice she puts on, was Judy Dench in drag for this movie? No, well, hold on. Are you trying to say that Judy Judy Dench was I was playing a was playing the uh, book accurate version of that character? She was a male like commander. No, no, you don't no, think so? No way, because that would have been a big like article thing. I there's no way because it would have been Judy Dench playing a male role like that would have been out there. I don't I don't think they would have done that. As he looks it up, he doesn't trust his brother. We'll see. What I think it's. I mean, I think it's possible, dude. It's not like there's no way, dude. 
that would have been like really fucking cool because like there that's is what I'm saying. like they would have marketed the shit out of it and said like hey like this she's playing because there's guy. like that's like sort of a thing in like the the uh fantasy world like peter pan is always played by like a female character i don't know man. i don't think so i don't think I, I think you're right but i think like in my mind i'm just gonna say that's what they're going for if that's what I'm justifies not... that movie for you that's totally fine with me yeah but... if in in the if it did put a fucking uh cigar in her mouth because in the book like he was literally like the fucking stereotype of like a sergeant with like a fucking cigar and like buzz cut and yeah like that whole they had done that and there's no way because like they really accentuate the like elf ears on this on her character well, he was still an elf i know but like they if, if it was like a you know yeah, elf, no, no, yeah, yeah you're right yeah um they would not have done that there was one more point i was gonna make sorry i just more... I, th- I thought of that and i was like maybe i don't remember oh i do remember okay because it's near and dear to me heart uh that's an artemis foul joke um no, the Crohn's moment in the baseball stadium. Um, there's a moment where he's at the baseball game, a minor league game, and he, they're asking him, like, hey, do you want a hot dog? And he's like, no, like I can't eat a hot dog. And they're like, oh, what? He's like, I've got Crohn's disease. And they're like, well, what the fuck is that? He goes hard in the paint, though. Yeah, and he goes, oh, it's like when your intestinal tract like starts tearing itself apart, and you shit a lot. And I was like, yes, yes everybody probably has no idea the fucking 10 people who listen to this i don't really care uh i was super stoked for it because i have crones follow me at captain crones on i don't know what you know which insta it's twitter i don't remember which but him saying that and just like basically kind of giving a little bit more information about it but also making a joke about it i was so happy for that little shout out and i hope more people learn about what crones disease is through this you know you know, little 30 second spot, but donate to the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America and help out poor people who need it. Cause yeah, it really fucking sucks. And this guy gave a, a big spotlight to it. Yeah. It is fucking awesome that like a SNL cast member actually like he doesn't do it a lot. And he doesn't do it like overtly, but he does subtly like do his kind of Crohn's awareness. And here's the thing. Like, I, I think it's super cool that he literally took the opportunity because he wrote this movie. It's not like he just started it. He wrote this line for himself and he literally took the biggest opportunity he literally ever had. Like I know SNL is a huge platform, but there's a lot of restraints on it. He took the first opportunity he had in a Judd Apatow movie to shout out and raise a little bit of awareness for what Crohn's is. Cause as many people as follow him on Twitter, they're not going to like see everything, but there's an audience that is going to see this movie and know more about Crohn's now. Cause this dude who was in it, who's now in a Judd Apatow movie and people are going to see 40 year old virgin and knocked up and be like, Oh, I want to see this new movie with a lot of time on their fucking hands. Like he took that opportunity to do this. And that's, that's a huge sign of his character absolutely like you can say what you will about p davison like you know i wasn't a big fan of what happened with the uh ex navy seal you know that he there was a a bit he did on a uh, weekend update where he just made fun of um the u.s oh is that Crin- not u.s senator yeah dan crenshaw that okay. whole thing yeah, yeah 
I mean, it was kind of shitty, but it was shitty. But he owned up to it after. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, again, in his defense, like a lot of people will just like disown him because of that. But in his defense, he completely like he had Dan Crenshaw on yeah, the show. He had the balls him. to have him on. Like Dude, that's a huge it, indicator. It, it was one of the character. best moments of SNL in the past like ten years. No, that, that shows that shows how great of a program that is, where they can like. And it's probably a little bit of like, oh, we're getting some backlash. But also, like, if you watch Pete Davidson in that movie, he's like, in that moment, you know he fucked up. He yeah. knows he fucked up. He like, he has a look on his face like, I yeah. I had no idea that I fucked up. But now I know I fucked up. And it's like, this is, yeah, this is fucking real. It doesn't matter how anybody finds out. Because he didn't know the jokes. He didn't know what no. he was going to say to him. It doesn't, you don't, it doesn't, it's not a matter of how somebody finds out that they've fucked up. But as long as they get to that point where they truly understand, hey, I really made a mistake yeah, this here. This fucking kid has been on SNL since he was 19, yeah. bro. So, but it's, it's, just like, like, it's like there's fake, like, oh, I'm sorry. And then there's true, like, oh, shit, man. I'm really fucking yeah. sorry. If you get to that point, it doesn't matter how you get to that point. Yeah. And like that. So th- that is a, a detraction for Pete Davidson. But everything else, I fucking love the kid. Like, dude, I, that Adam Sandler song he did, like, like yeah, the dude. that shit made me laugh so hard i hope he's on snl for a long time and i really hope i hope he does more shit like this like we talked about this like one of our very first three podcasts or whatever about like the assurgence and decline of snl over the years this could be like the first yeah, movie this could be a game a changer fucking resurgence for like snl cast member driven movies bro it like Judd Apatow. That'd be that. The only reason I'd be like, maybe that won't happen is because how many of the other SNL cast members right now have such a tragic backstory that they could turn into something like this? I don't think that's the case. I think we could be seeing the beginning of like a ridiculously good. If Pete Davidson truly wrote this story, like I mean, it was loosely based on his life, but. A large part of this movie was completely fictional, and he like stitched together just an amazing story. But you still have to have that pain to create such a dramatic story. You cannot just make like yeah, sure for a dramatic story. But yeah. I don't want to see just dramatic stories out of these guys. I want to see like a fucking like you know straight up three amigos Comedy. type shit too. Oh like you imagine like what Judd Apatow and Pete Davidson could pull off when they're just saying like, hey, let's let's do a fucking Animal House movie. Oh, that'd be insane. Right. Yeah, it, you know, like... But I don't just, think that... Like, that's not Apatow's style. So, like... It's just... Whatever, it's I'm just, just saying, like... I get what, I get what you're Davidson, saying. Yeah, yeah. Pete Davidson, I think he has a a really bright career in uh, writing and in, in doing his own movies. So do I. And I I love this movie. Like, I want to watch this again. I hope it comes out. It's going to come out on DVD or Blu-ray or some shit, and I'm going to definitely pick it up because yeah. it's, it's just so well done. I cannot say enough things about this and i love it i fucking love it but that is the end of our show today definitely thank you for checking out our episode on monday we're gonna have more uh coming this wednesday we've got a couple guests wednesday and friday so check out all of our instagram posts furloughed film talks for the latest guest announcements check out our twitter furloughed film uh for also just you know new episode updates and we'll Have a new episode Wednesday and Friday, and we'll uh, hope to see you guys then. Thank you all. Go read Artemis Fowl. Love you all. Don't do it, but bye. Read it.